0: And what we want to be about as a church, and that is the gospel moving from your life and in your life and through your life to the people around you. We really have a vision and a mission here of uh, declaring the truth of Jesus and displaying the love of Jesus or demonstrating the love of Jesus with the people in your life. And our mission over the course of these three weeks is to do just that, where we see believers, you who actually believe in the good news of Jesus Christ... Declaring the truth and displaying the love of jesus with the people in your lives Now we've gone with some values as we've as we've uh, gone through this and the values are that we want to be clear We want to be confident and we want to be compelling And to be clear we need to know the scriptures. We need to know the gospel And we need to believe the gospel and last week We went through this handout on what the story of god is all about and we called you to that to respond to that we're going to continue in that discussion of knowing clearly the gospel this morning. But we're going to build on it and talk about confidence. Confidence is about living, about living the gospel in our lives. And then being compelling, which is next week, we call people to response. What do you say when someone wants to put their faith and trust in Christ? And we're going to teach you how to share the gospel. You see, we, last week we talked about how just like a tree... Tells a story in the growth rings whether or not a year was good with rain or or whether it had a drought your life tells a story And when we met jesus we entered a larger story Scriptures actually say we were grafted into god's greater story through christ and his story has become ours This is a story of our past our present and it's a story about the future for you and for all of humanity This story is about our purpose, our salvation, our redemption, and our restoration. And this story answers man's greatest questions. If you take a look at this handout that you were given when you came in, you just take a look at those questions that are on the front of it. Those are the questions humanity asks, especially when it comes to the concept of faith and God. Question like, where did it all begin? Where where did I come from? What went wrong? And as you look at as you look at the reality around you, you see that things are broken. Things aren't as they should be. When you And then what did God do about that? Is there any hope? And the scriptures answer that. And then the question about what does the future hold? One of the key questions we come to when it comes to the era of faith is what happens after death. People want to know that. And the Bible provides clear direction in the story of God. When in answering the question of when did it all begin, the scriptures say creation, that a loving God created everything that exists. And he created man in that creation, in his image, to reflect him, to have a relationship with him. But if you look around you, things are not as they were once created. Things aren't perfect. They're broken. Things are not walking with God. They've fallen from God. And scriptures talk about the fall about how we chose to go our own way in Adam and Eve. And from that point, we have been wanting to be independent from God. And that fall explains what is life. How do you explain the the reality that's around us? The question from that fall asks, is there any hope? How does God view us? How do we get back to God? How do we go back to the way that he created us? And the scriptures, actually, most of the Bible is written on what God did to rescue us. And we see his plan of rescue and the rescue is shown in the scriptures. Most of your scriptures, matter of fact, up to the last few chapters in the last book of the Bible in Revelation, explain uh, from that point, from Genesis three, all the way to that last book, explain what has God been doing to rescue us? And we see from that, that God takes compassion on a fallen world. God wants to love us and draw us back to him. But he realizes there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. That's why Jesus had to come and live a life that you and I can't live. He lived a perfect life here on earth. He died on the cross to pay for a debt that you and I, even with our death, could not pay for. That's why we need Jesus. And God rose him from the dead on the third day to give us the promise of eternal life that's found in his name. This is the rescue plan of God. But it doesn't just, just end in this life. There's a restoration of all things that this Jesus who was raised from the dead will return and make all wrongs right and will make this world a new heaven and a new earth. And there will be the restoration of all things. This is the story of God that we're invited into. Matter of fact. Anyone in here, anyone in the world who will take God at his word and trust that Jesus is your rescue can enter into this story. And it requires that you do admit that you're a sinner, that there are flaws in your own story and that you recognize that your need is Jesus, that his death on the cross in your place was enough. God was completely satisfied in the work of Jesus So that it's not by your works that you're saved. It's only in the work of Jesus. And you have to receive Jesus into your life. That you literally allow God to write his story in your life. It's not going to be about your little dream. It's going to be about God's dream and purpose for your life. As we go to the scriptures now, this story we're going to see is taking root in the very place where Jesus rose from the dead. It's a city of Jerusalem, and I invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 4, as we watch this story taking root in the lives of people. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 3 talks about Peter and John walking to the temple in Jerusalem, and um, they saw a man who was, who was lame, and he was begging for food, and begging for uh, any, any money that someone could give them. Peter looked intently into the man's eyes and he said this, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And this man was born lame, had instant relief. And he stood up and he walked. People who had seen him every day going to the temple saw this guy literally dancing and leaping and praising God. This incredible event caused for celebration. And Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times, boldly proclaimed the gospel. And people put their faith in Christ. But it also gave great concern to the religious leaders of that day. The Sadducees denied the resurrection. They were steeped in a religious political power structure that sided with Rome. And they were resistant to the gospel. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 1. It says, and as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and they put them into custody until the next day for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of the men alone came to about 5,000. Think about this. The gospel's taking root earlier in Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people came to Christ. Now here in Acts chapter 4, 5,000. Just the men alone, if you take the feeding of the 5,000, with women and children, you're probably talking about ten to 15,000 people put their faith in Christ. The gospel's expanding and it's growing exponentially. Right in the very place where the claim of the resurrection could have been debunked. But Jesus appeared physically to over 500 people in Jerusalem. There was no question. He was resurrected. People had to deal with that reality. And they were. And they were putting their faith and trust in Jesus. But now we get resistance. Now we get a different story. The gospel hits a wall. Or we think it does. There's resistance in the book of Acts. And the resistance in the book of acts is the resistance against jesus and the good news he came to offer us There's going to be resistance and acts has 28 chapters into it It's no doubt then that we hit it on chapter four that we're going to have resistance The gospel will always have resistance in a broken world There's three types of resistance that we see here. There's persecution for the gospel Here, uh, Peter and John were arrested and they were held in prison. We're going to watch how persecution builds and grows. And later, in Acts chapter 7, where where Stephen is stoned to death and great persecution breaks out and, and Christians literally run for their lives. They're chased out into the surrounding areas. And guess what happens? They preach the gospel in those places people come to Christ. There's persecution with the gospel. There's also rejection of the gospel on so many levels. There's a rejection of the gospel. There's a rejection of Jesus. Personally, Jesus said, if the world hates you, they hated me first as my followers. They're going to hate you. There's personal rejection to Jesus. Other people say that Jesus was a great man. He was a great man, much like Abraham Lincoln was a great man. But he certainly wasn't God. Jesus' claims were that he was God. We can reject him if we only leave him as a good man. We have to receive him as the son of God. There's also an ideological rejection of the gospel. The gospel proclaims that it's not what you've done. It's what Jesus has done for you. The gospel says you can't save yourself. Only Jesus can save you. That flies in the face. You know, on this side of the gospel, I am so thankful that it's about grace. I am so thankful that it's, and aren't we all, that it's not based on your church attendance. I mean, think about this. You guys would be in. Everyone else this morning would be out. And we could take great pride in our performance that we braved four inches of snow with drifts up to six to eight. (laughs) And that we made it here. Isn't God pleased with me? Look at us. See, if you're hung up on performance. And it's addictive. It's addictive to compare your righteous life against the unrighteousness of others. See, that's. Ideologically, you will be opposed to the gospel if you think you're better off than someone else on your own performance. We all need Jesus. The ground is level at the cross. We're not here because what we have done. We're here to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. And then there's also a moral rejection of Jesus. In other words, we like Jesus. Jesus, do this for me. Save me. But... I don't want to follow you because you're gonna ask me to you're gonna mess my life up if I follow you That's a moral rejection of Jesus. You want what he offers you, but you don't want him There's a lot of people who want to use God. They don't want to trust God And so much of the walk with Jesus is us trusting God And then there's distraction to the gospel and this comes up with the church in chaos or the church in disunity or the church in dissension or the conflict between relationships between believers. You see the church going through distractions so that momentum of the gospel uh, kind of just gets up and people bickering. You know what? These are Satan's three tactics. It's nothing new, but they're Satan's three tactics For trying to derail the gospel from moving from one life to another persecution rejection and distraction And you know what in my own life. I can see them I can be distracted by things or can be distracted by squabbles I can be distracted by moral rejections of the claim of jesus. So I don't live the gospel And when I hit a wall and hit some type of persecution, I wonder what is god doing here? and the reality is there's going to be resistance that's reality. This happened in Acts chapter 4. It's going to happen in 2014. It's, it, that's just how the gospel happens. It's just the environment which the gospel is declared. But look at verse 4. It says, but in the midst of all this re- resistance, many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of men came to about 5,000. Folks, what this is saying is that the gospel advances in a resistant world through boldness. We're called to be bold with the gospel. How did the gospel advance? People were bold with it. They didn't go passive. They didn't stop when they faced persecution. They didn't give up when they heard rejection. And they were focused with boldness rather than distracted with the concerns of this world. See, an estimate, a conservative estimate is that over 10,000 people put their faith in Christ in the very city That killed Jesus. And the church was bold. And you know what? When when you get sick. And you've been on antibiotics for most of your life. And this sickness has a resistance to an antibiotic. Doctors say you blew through an antibiotic. What do they do? They usually prescribe you a more potent antibiotic. Because when something's resistant. You have to go bolder with it, right? That's what our resistant world is calling us as followers of Jesus to do. We've got to be bolder. Now, I want to be bold with the gospel. And you know what? Some of you who can look at my preaching and say, boy, Joe is bold with the gospel. But you know where I really want to be bold with the gospel? When I'm not in this place. It's easy to be bold with the gospel in here. If we were Baptists, we would all go, Amen, while I was preaching, you know, and we could have that environment of boldness in here. Or, preach it, boy! You know, we could have that environment. I'm not encouraging you to do that this morning, but if we, we could be very bold in this place. Where it really, where it really advances is when we're not in this place. With people who we live with, people who we live around, people who we work with, people we connect with each week who don't have the gospel. If you have the gospel, we, it needs to move through your... How does it do it? Boldness. We need to be bold with the gospel. How do you be bold with the gospel? Acts 4 is going to guide us into that. So let's keep reading. I think there's four principles on how to be bold in Acts chapter 4. Let's keep reading. So the Sadducees arrest John and Peter and they ask them, uh, you know, Whose name? Talk about the name of Jesus. And what power did you use to heal this man? And look what they say in verse verse 7. It says, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you, What does this show us? It shows us that to be bold with the gospel, you have to believe it first. You have to believe the gospel in order to be bold with it. That's why if you don't believe it, why would I ever ask you to be bold with it? What did they believe in? Well, they believed in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. He says it's that Jesus was known to all of you and to all the people. But it wasn't just Jesus, his name. It was also Jesus, the person. He was the son of God. And it was Jesus, the power. He said, whom you crucified, but God rejected. Another way of saying that, whom you rejected, but God resurrected. God raised him. The one you rejected, God accepted him. And he's become the cornerstone. What you cast aside to build your religion on, God actually uses as the cornerstone for his His faith and his way. Salvation is in no other name. That's why the gospel requires all of us to step away from all the other options we're pursuing, including ourselves, in order to trust the one and only Jesus. And that's why you cannot be bold in what you don't believe. That's why I could never be a Chicago Bear fan. I couldn't. No way i'm a packer fan And I know that david hinkle sitting right over here is not agreeing with me right now because he's a bear fan Oh, there it is. There, there it is But you know what? I I just will never do it. I don't believe in them They're not my team And I loved it when the packers just beat them in the final seconds of the game last weekend and david and his son were right there next to me it would have been a much different story it Had, uh, you know, they'd they mess up on that bomb that Aaron Rodgers threw But you know what? I believe in the Packers And you know what? The other thing that kind of concerns me Is sometimes I'm more concerned about the Packers losing the game Than I am the gospel advancing through my life Now, I understand some of you who are Chiefs fans You you lost by one point last night. And I'm so sorry about that. But, you know, Chiefs fans all over the Kansas City area and the region kind of wake up with that. Man, we lost. My team lost. But we're not as concerned with the gospel advancing or going passive with the gospel in my life. We've got to believe the gospel. If we believe it, then it should move through us. Because you need to decide what you believe about Christ. And once you believe it, then you're called to be bold with it. But it's not just believing it. It's also speaking it. Let's look at what what uh, Peter goes on. And, you know, they, they tell him, they tell Peter and John, well, stop preaching about it. Stop speaking about Jesus. Just stop it and, and then we'll let you go. And we'll warn you. Worst things will happen to you if you don't stop speaking about Jesus. And look at what Peter says to them in verse 17. They said, but in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and they charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak about what we have seen and heard you see the contrast here if you're concerned and fearing man you'll never speak about the gospel peter says let god be the judge but we're we're not gonna stop we're gonna speak that's the only thing we can do when we have seen and heard all these things that god has done in our lives we we will speak he became bolder with it and to be bold with the gospel you need to speak the gospel We will listen to god over man. You see you cannot be bold with the gospel in silence and passivity You must learn and we all must learn to authentically speak it Which means we've got to stop hiding behind the preacher And we need to be able to realize that god has called us to speak the gospel in our lives We all need to take responsibility with the gospel And it must move beyond our actions and into our words. You know, when you do good things in this world, people say, boy, you're such a good person. That's usually where they stop. Very few people will go, hey, what must I do to be saved? You've lived such a good life. (laughs) They don't do that. So when people ask you what's going on in your life, you need to be, need to be willing and able to speak literally, verbally articulate the gospel. From your life to them, it needs to be done with gentleness and respect, but it also needs to be done with boldness. We need to literally be able to speak it. So, if the gospel was outlawed here, would any of us be bothered by that? Would would we even have to change what we say in a given day? Would it, we even protest it? How many of us can speak the gospel? You see, this is such a need in our congregation. That We're going to be doing this cultivate workshop on january 18th from nine to noon to really help you articulate and speak the gospel in your lives We all want ways practical ways to speak it So I want to encourage you sign up for that because it will help equip you in how to speak the gospel You got to speak it to be bold with it But the story continues Peter and john they get released and they meet up with the church You know, the first thing they do after they tell them what happened to them, the church prays. In order to be bold with the gospel, you need to pray for boldness with the gospel. Look at what they say as they as they pray. This is the latter part of their prayer in verse 29. It says, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And look what happened. They continued to speak the word of God with boldness. There's that word again, boldness. To be bold with the gospel, you've got to pray it. Got to pray for it proclaiming the gospel in prayer, asking for boldness in in our sharing. You see, God loves this prayer request. He loves to answer it. And when they asked for it, what happened? They actually spoke the word of God with boldness. They continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And that's the power of prayer in the advancement of the gospel. Because we can't, we don't have the power. We don't have the insight. We don't have the direction that we need with the gospel in our own minds and on our own backs it advances by the power of the Holy Spirit by his leading and prayer connects us to the the Holy Spirit. And when the gospel is believed and spoken and prayed the gospel advances. What's your prayer life with the gospel? Who are you praying for? That's why we in call, I call you to To pray for people who you know don't have the good news of Jesus. Pray for an opportunity. Paul asked the early church to constantly do that. Pray for me for an opportunity to advance the gospel and that for me to declare boldly the gospel. We need to be, need to be in our prayers. Again, it's not what, it's not what God can do for us. It's what we can do for God. That that should be the center of our prayers. God, give me boldness however you do that. I pray for my wife and I pray for my children. I pray for me. I pray for our staff. I pray for our elders. I pray for our church family to speak the gospel with boldness because we want it to advance beyond our lives. So as it's believed and when it's spoken and when it's prayed... Look what else happens. You actually live boldly. Continue reading with me on verse 32. It says, now a full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. By the way, who did they believe that owned it all? It wasn't someone else. It wasn't the government. It was, it was God. God was the owner of everything. And that's what happens when you live boldly. You realize God's the owner and giver of all things. We're just stewards of what he's entrusted to us. But let's keep reading. It says, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. They lived boldly. There wasn't a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. That was voluntary. That wasn't compulsive. That was a voluntary movement of God in their lives. And it laid, they laid it at the apostles feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. See, they were showing what living boldly the gospel of Jesus Christ was all about. Because you don't just take the gospel in an environment where it's being proclaimed right now and take it off when you leave this place. You actually need to put it on and keep it on. I mean, you're going to just experiment with that with a jacket or a coat. It's nine degrees out there. You don't just leave your jacket here. You need your jacket out there. You need the gospel out there. So keep it on you. Clothe yourself with Christ and live him when you share the gospel. And you can't be bold in what you do not live. It would be like you not being a big fan of something you're actually trying to sell. You can't lead someone in something you're not living. So we need to live that now. I will tell you that it is a tactic of Satan to put you on the sidelines because you're not a perfect person. And you guys got to depend on grace. That's why grace has to come in. You realize I have been forgiven. I'm not a perfect person, but I'm trying to follow someone who is perfect. Jesus Christ. And that reengages us into the sharing of the gospel through our lives. But it's accepted in my heart through faith. It's spoken in my words through my mouth. And it's prayed, it's sought after, and it's lived. This is, this is why the gospel is far more than just you saying yes or no to an ideology. It's actual practical theology. We see just in this passion, in this, in this passage, compassion and care. We see fellowship and deep relationships with the gospel. We see generosity far beyond what even we can imagine. There wasn't a needy person among them. They were sacrificial. How could they live like this? Well, they believed it boldly. They spoke it boldly. They prayed it boldly. And they lived boldly. And folks, we've got to be current with the gospel. If you're current with the gospel, you're not relying on the past. You're living in the present with it. And if you're not believing it and trusting Jesus in your daily lives, and if you're not speaking it, it's not a part of your, your words. And if you're not praying for it, it's going to go passive. We've got to be bold with it. It requires that we do that. So we want to declare the truth boldly. We want to demonstrate love boldly. All of that is happens when we believe it, when we speak it, when we pray it and when we live it so as the people of god who want to believe boldly speak boldly pray boldly and live boldly let's pray and ask god the same thing that the church in acts chapter four asked of god in boldness would you pray with me Heavenly father, we're going to leave this place in a few minutes and we're going into a world that has resistance on so many levels. This world is resistant to your good news. Well, we ask you to look with compassion with the people around us, people who are lost and need the gospel and Lord move us away from passivity. We repent of finicky hangups that we've had with the gospel or with the church. We repent of selfish preferences that that keep us on the sidelines rather than advancing the gospel. And we trust you in the city of Topeka to advance the gospel through us. Lord, move in us through your Holy Spirit. May we believe boldly. May we speak boldly. May we seek you boldly in prayer. And may we live the gospel boldly in our lives. Only you can do this in us. And so we ask for an open heart and an availability to advance the gospel through boldness. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.